politics has never been stranger or more online, which is why the politics team at Wired is making a new show, Wired Politics Lab. It's all about how to navigate the endless stream of news and information and what to look out for. Each week on the show, we'll dig into far-right platforms, AI chatbots, influencer campaigns, and so much more. Wired Politics Lab launches Thursday, April 11th. Follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I got a call today from a friend of mine who um, said that he was unhackable. And I was like, well, you know, you use the same passwords anyway? He's like, nope. He kept prodding me, and so I said, well, sure. And I told him how, which is, you know, what Travis, my nightmare, which is, I said, do you have a SIM code set up on your phone? And he said, no. Well, the SIM pin code is is the way in, right, Travis? Yep. That'd probably be the easiest way to do it, I would say. Which is how we got control of Adam's phone, which is why he's so quiet right now, because he can't well, yeah. get on the side. <laughs> I figured, you know, once I did the zero, 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 I said, maybe that wasn't such a good idea. No, but that's the thing that's so interesting about it. When I, I talked to him today, I have just gotten a new phone, and I realized that I hadn't set up the SIM card pin on this new phone, and then I had forgotten what the Verizon default password was, the pin was. You know what it is? One, 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 one? Yep. No. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? <laughs> this is, Travis will like this one. And when I first set up uh, my SIM card pin code back in the day, mm-hmm. I put in 1111. And that was what I was, <laughs> I was using the default pin code for like six months until I realized I had to reset it. So. Yeah, that's not a great idea. Yeah. It was that was when idea. you were young and impressionable. That was last year, Adam. <laughs> I don't know how young I was. <laughs> no one is unhackable. Yes. The, the, anyone who thinks they can't be hacked is whistling in the dark. If you whistle in the dark, you're much easier to find for apex predators. Have you ever whistled <laughs> in the dark? Yeah, I whistle in the dark all the time to tell the apex predators to leave me alone, but I have a big whistle and that makes oh, me Oh, you're sound. the guy that's been whistling at night. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to What the Hack, a show about hackers, scammers, and the people they go after. I'm Adam, Cyber Raccoon. I'm Bo, Cyber Flea. And I'm Travis, Cyber Trash Panda. <laughs> it's the same thing, Travis. <laughs> with a little bit of extra style. <laughs> Today we're talking with information security executive, social scientist, and ochre wizard, Tara Wheeler. I want to welcome a friend, Tara Wheeler, on the show. We actually met a few years ago, but just a few, uh, at a class at American University. 
and she dazzled me. I just said that incredibly impressive, brilliant, funny, insightful cybersecurity wizard. I need to have this person on our show. Here we are. We have her on the show, and this is very exciting. A real joy to be here. Thank you so very much. Welcome. Welcome. Tara, where are you coming to us from right now? I'm coming to you from Seattle, Washington, uh, land of, believe it or not, beautiful weather and a couple of distant forest fires. So gorgeous sunsets. And if I sneeze once or twice, it's, it's me. It's not the cat. <laughs> and a, a good football yeah. team, may I say. So if we're going to talk about Russell Wilson, then we need to have a whole different conversation right now. I've got some <laughs> corn nuts downstairs and I definitely need to have more beer to, to begin the conversation. But if I could just say that I think Seattle's decision-making process has been very fine-tuned over the last three to four years. I'm not, I'm not hating the, the path the team is taking right now, which is something I think many people throughout the lives of being a Seahawks fan cannot really say over the course of multiple years at a time, but I'm, I'm pretty okay with it. This is very true. This is very true. It's a, I was very surprised at the recent, recent game uh, where it came out a little differently than all of us thought. So I was pretty, pretty impressed. So anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, Back to nerdery. Continue. It was a fascinating class at American University. And, and one of the things that, that you were talking about that was just great was about all of the work that you put into advancing women in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. Because let's face it, there, there aren't enough women in cybersecurity. Mm-hmm. You've written a book about this, I believe, too, right? It's it's somewhere back there if I've got the right sum right. You know, it's I, I've I had so much time to think about this. Um, there's two things I think about when I think about uh, trying to get more women in cybersecurity. First, everything I said six years ago is still true, uh, unfortunately. And second, it's mm-hmm. as I've I've said a lot. I think at this point, it's it isn't purely about the idea that there's not enough of one kind of person in cybersecurity. It's that every single differently perspective mind that we bring into this field gives us a new way to solve problems, and closing ourselves down to the the opportunity to listen to and learn from new people makes cybersecurity actively a worse field to be in. And sometimes it it's not a pleasant experience to make your mind stretch enough to encompass someone else's experiences. But I've never regretted having my mind stretched out to in to understand a new perspective. And it's always given me a way to see things differently. So it's, it's about welcoming everyone, not a specific kind of person, but understanding that some kinds of people are less welcome in the industry. And I'd like to see that change over time. It's We're starting to change that a little bit in the entry levels of cybersecurity. The truth is, is that at the senior and executive levels, the numbers have gone down over the last five to 10 years. And why that's been happening, I mean, we've, we've all got our war stories at this point. But um, I think the key thing here is welcoming those new perspectives and understanding that they help us solve problems differently and better. Can you give us an example of a, of, of a success story of, of recruiting people who, who really should be in cybersecurity and are making a huge difference? I actually recently hired a, a customer success specialist, and she never worked in cybersecurity before. And I thought about her as we were sitting here going, who, who are we going to get to start working on customer journeys in, in cybersecurity? And I said, I know somebody from outside the field who will be a just a, a, a junkyard dog on sales, but also who can connect to people who understands them, who will talk to them and listen to them. And, you know, I, I brought her into this field and thought to myself, this is this was a good hire, totally from outside the industry. What is your field? 
Uh, technically, I'm what is known as an offensive security researcher. Ooh. <laughs> that's where my that's where my skill set is located. So, like offensive, that. offensive, an offensive information strategy. security researcher, not strategy. Oh, I love it. Uh, I break into computers. That's my specialty, my certifications, my stuff that I do, the awards that I've got. Um, and the scary thing here is not that that's what I do and my technical skill set. Um, the scary thing is not that I know how to do that. The scary thing is that I'm not very good compared to most of the people I know in the field. I'm, I'm a good, bad hacker, but I know good hackers, deeply skilled people who are capable and competent at thinking about systems. And I love taking puzzles apart and learning. So it's a, it's a great place to be in terms of a technical specialty. I, I like finding ways to automate exploration. And that's what led me into a lot of the work that I do now involving things like helping people understand their cybersecurity situation, um, automating tasks that don't make sense for human beings to do when computers can do them faster and better, but also just asking human questions about information security. The hacker mindset approaches problems orthogonally. We don't see stuff straight on. And that is something deeply needed in this world where we're stovepiped so much. Let's talk about weight loss. Most of us have been there, struggling with the ups and downs. You lose some weight, then it creeps back. But forget those endless cycles of juice cleanses, soup diets, and the latest fad workouts. There's a better way. The Rope Body Program pairs a weekly weight loss shot with a real lifestyle change so you can lose weight and actually keep it off. Need support? Rose got you covered every step of the way. And guess what? You can do it all from the comfort of your own home. No more doctor's appointments, no more waiting rooms. It's that simple. Ready to take charge of your weight? Head over to row.co slash Adam to sign up today. Average weight loss is 15 to 20% in a year. That's with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to row.co slash Adam. Sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash A-D-A-M. So here's the deal. I use Yahoo Finance. I use it to make money because it works, not just because they're a sponsor of the show. Heck, I've been using them for years before they ever called to become a sponsor. I do a lot of investing and I need to make split second financial decisions. And that's where Yahoo Finance comes in. I trade stocks and I trade options, and you can't trade them in a vacuum. You've got to know what's going on. Yahoo Finance gives you the opportunity to look at the whole picture. I mean, breaking news, editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts. I love the customizable charts. They have it all. At Yahoo Finance, I'm part of a community of over 90 million users. You heard me. 90 million folks use Yahoo Finance because they're helping you on your way to financial success. Visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com, yahoofinance.com. When you look at the cybersecurity landscape, are there any particular people that you say, wow, I mean, that, that is a, you know, a, a lion, a Greek god, a Greek goddess, anyone like that. Oh, yeah. Um, just this morning, I, I was, 
I was sitting up straight in my chair listening to Mudge give his testimony in front of Congress. I don't know if you have had a chance to listen to that, but that that was today, um, at least as we're as we're recording this now. So I was listening to Mudge today give that testimony, and um, he makes me proud to be in this industry. He is a flag waving patriot, and he did uh, something that was incredibly hard and personally expensive, and he gave up. Um, you know, money and power to do the right thing. I am just, I'm honored to know him. And I'm glad that there are people like that in our industry who prioritize keeping people safe over, well, let's just say incentives. So for the benefit of our, our listening audience, mm -hmm. explain who that is, who just, who you were referring to. That's the Twitter guy, right? Uh, Peter Zatko. My name is Peter Zatko, but I'm more often referred to by my online handle as Mudge. His hacker handle is Mudge, uh, is someone who spent 30 years keeping people safe in and out of government in uh, as originally a member of a hacker collective known as uh, Loft in, uh, in Boston. I appear before you today to answer questions about information. I submitted and written disclosures about cybersecurity concerns I observed while working at Twitter. He comes out of a tradition of as ethically and as in as, and in as coordinated a, a fashion as possible, revealing vulnerabilities to the public and forcing companies to fix things when people aren't safe as a result of those choices. For 30 years, my mission has been to make the world better by making it more secure. He ran programs at DARPA where he was the person who helped issue small grants and bring people who could solve technical problems into government to solve those problems for, for the U.S. Um, and then spent some quality time uh, upgrading security systems and, and uh, running security programs at some major U.S. companies like Stripe. Uh, then became the chief security officer at Twitter in uh, 2020 and was there to, to start addressing some of the major security issues at Twitter. Uh, and it looks very much from the testimony that he's given, from the, the things that we've now heard in multiple serious stories, that there were some requests made of him and some pressures placed upon him to do unethical things and to hide the severity of some of the lack of compliance with prior FTC directives and U.S. directives, um, as well as some requests to flatly commit felonies. What I discovered when I joined Twitter was that this enormously influential company was over a decade behind industry security standards. The company's cybersecurity failures make it vulnerable to exploitation, causing real harm to real people. Well, but he was also just ignored, roundly ignored by this top brass, no? I would say he was ignored, and when he uh, wouldn't be ignored anymore, he was told to shut up, and when he wouldn't shut up, and so I might. They invited an inconvenient truth factory into their into their <laughs> mm -hmm. midst, and then they didn't like the inconvenient truths that he had to tell exactly. them. Exactly. This was that moment so many of us spent this morning watching this, going, this is... All of the times that we were never allowed to say what was actually happening, um, where our contracts kept us silent, where a fear of prosecution or litigation kept us quiet um, for the sake of our families instead of telling what was actually happening inside companies. All the times anyone's ever been silenced because they brought up an inconvenient truth about internal information security, we're watching this just popcorn. 
So you mentioned that you think a lot about how to automate security or put another way, maybe how to build in processes or checklists to mitigate risks. For our listeners, do you have any stories or advice or things a layperson can do to add these systems to their own life? I just had a friend of mine said, can I get hacked? I do everything right. And I was like, yeah, I could pay a guy to swap your SIM card. You know, so what 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 do you say? Or we could give Tara your email address too, right? Tara's already moving my <laughs> mouse around. It's fine. <laughs> um, the the truth is is that most of the most of the issues in security really aren't about me sneaking into your computer or installing something. Or if I did, it's because I engaged in some way um, with with you. It's likely that there was some some um, element of human contact at this point that made that possible. And it might have happened in a way that people didn't understand. It might have been a shared password. It might have been a conversation with someone. It might have been downloaded data. Info. It might have been downloaded data from a breach. Um, but it's, it's, it is truly about people. And it, it comes home to us when you, say, when you say that your friend said, can I get hacked? I do everything right. And the answer is, if you drive perfectly, can you guarantee that you'll never get into a car accident? Right. That's that's the no, question. No, of course right. not. It comes down to the basic reality that accidents can and will happen. Mm-hmm. So what does your plan look like for avoiding them as best as you can and dealing with them when they do? Right. I believe you're an advocate of checklists, right? I am. And and so it's you can have external failures. You can have something you can have someone else crash into you. You can have something go wrong with the car. Right. Like there's no way to, to encapsulate everything that can go wrong. But what checklists are there for is to make sure that you as a as a person don't miss something that you should remember. Because human brains can't remember everything all the time. It's literally why we have databases and computers. You can't do everything with your brain, right? You need an exocortex. Like who even remembers phone numbers anymore? So the questions that that I get about how do I keep myself safe often look like making sure that you followed a simple set of steps to check in with yourself about what feels safe. Now the reason this matters to me is not just because I have parents and I get phone calls from, you know, from my parents as all of us do. Hey, I just got this odd phone call. I hung up. Was that the right thing to do? And the answer is always, yes, it is the right thing to do. I don't care if it's me. Hang up. I'm probably going to be on the phone with you anyway. So the answer is there's a way to check in with yourself using a checklist where you say it, the, the greatest question I've heard someone use is, if someone was saying all of this stuff to you that you're seeing in this email or getting on a phone call, if they just walked up to you randomly in the grocery store and said the exact same stuff, would you do it then? And if the answer is, oh, that's, that's kind of odd. That's a little weird. I don't, I don't think I would, right? And if that's, if that's on your checklist, um, then you've got a, an excellent first step to figuring out if you should do the thing that someone's asking you to do. So let's rephrase. The checklist is if you were in a supermarket and someone said – Hey, can I have the password to your Facebook, your Facebook account? account? Yeah, just randomly. Hey, yeah. I am Jake and I live one town over and I'm just I'm calling to do an IT check with you. And if somebody showed up in a grocery store and asked you all of this stuff, would you do it? Right. And all of a sudden you see the lights go on in people's in people's minds. So like, oh, it'd be super weird if somebody did that. I was like, if it's weird in, in person, it's probably weird on the Internet, too. Like it's just weirder at scale. Yeah. <laughs> they they had a uh, they had a commercial on a couple of years ago from the Postal Inspection Service, and they had a guy who was dressed up. He could, it looked very lawyerly. Briefcase sits down next to a woman who's just on a bus, and starts talking about the royal family that he's representing, that has chosen you to be the recipient of their millions that they're getting out of the country, and the woman gives him a strange look, stands up, and walks away. 
And the, uh, the voiceover was, if someone were to say this to you in person, you would walk away. Why do you buy it simply because it's online? When we do this, when we when we fall for scams like this, one of the biggest problems is that we're ashamed to be human. You know what? I have a humiliating story. I'm going to tell you a humiliating story about me. Awesome. I love okay. We love we love humiliating <laughs> stories. I was we idiot. live them on a daily oh. basis. So, oh, hey. I am a humiliating story. <laughs> so, um, and this has to do not only with a checklist, but with how you can make a mistake and just be face you know, face palming at your own idiocy, but you still have to deal with the consequences because everyone does if they're scammed, right? So um, I am, I'm, I'm a, a fairly competent human being in information security. And I was once hired to, um, to run the internal offensive security for a company. And uh, my boss was kind of the, the head honcho of all the security folk. I'm, I'm being as, as unspecific as possible here, but um, it's, uh, it was a big responsibility. I was one of the people who was in charge of testing internal systems. And so the first week I was hired to go do this, I show up on site, great week talking to people. We start getting some policies and practices in place. I meet with the person who's hired me on Friday before I'm going to get on the plane and, and, and leave again. And uh, and we sit down, we're you know having like that last cup of coffee, um, have a sandwich across the street at the restaurant. And I said, great, it's so wonderful, having a great time. Let's let's get this show on the road. Wonderful. I uh, I get to the airport and I'm at Norman Mineta Airport, San Jose Airport. Um, I'm still not being specific because there's 80 zillion tech companies in like a far, a four mile radius of it. But um, I get to San Jose airport and I start following my checklist. When I leave a location like that, I check to make sure is my, I, is my driver's license in the correct location? Do I have my phone fully charged? Is the cord in the right location? Am I set up for the next time I come down here? Is the front pack of my backpack ready to go with all of the things that I'm going to need? My passport, my uh, work badge, at which point I stopped and went, where's my work badge? Um, and I stopped and I looked again. And I set my pack down on the bench and I looked again. And then in the middle of the concourse at Norman Mineta, I took everything out of my backpack and I laid it down and it, it looked like it was a reveal video on YouTube. I had everything laid out. I mean, we're talking lady products and lipstick and extra clothing and books and technology scattered all over as neatly as I the badge is gone, completely gone. And I realize, I think what has happened and I have lost my internal badge to get into the most sensitive areas of this company my first week when it is my job to keep the company safe. And I have to call my boss and tell him that I've lost my badge. And I, 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 I called him and I got his voicemail and it's like 20 minutes since I've been sitting in the restaurant across the street. And I was like, I got to tell you what just happened. And I was just, I was near tears, honestly. This was, this was yeah. incredibly humiliating. And I, I was like, I think I know what happened. I'm going to solve the problem. I'll get right back with you. I call the restaurant and my badge has, is under the table in the bar in the restaurant across the street. Now, a couple now, of things. You have to, at that point, now at that point with your badge being in the wind for a little while, mm -hmm. do they all need to be replaced? So that's the interesting question. Nobody knew because what I didn't know was where to report this. I found the badge and I could have just asked somebody to step across the, the street and just go sit it on my desk or drop it in an envelope. But here's the problem. I don't know what's happened to that badge in the meantime. I don't know if someone's picked it up, if they cloned it. It's a simple RFID badge. So it's now my job. I have to do this. I have to report it to security and say, look, this happened. I don't know what happened. You should probably shut my badge down in the interim. 
uh, and take a look at the logs and find out if anything happened to it. And they did. And, and the problem was there was no place to report it. So. Well, you should have just reported it to yourself. That buck could have stopped there. That's a tempting, that's a tempting <laughs> thing. And I thought about it. I did. And the, the answer, idea. the answer In was cyber. Yeah. It's a horrible. Idea. It is. The, yeah. t- the, and what ended up happening was by the t- by by three days after that, the company had a new policy and process for what to do and how to get your badge shut down when you know where it is, but you don't have your hands on it because there was no process for that ever before. There was thousands of employees at this company and no one had thought to create this process yet. There was a new alias to report it to and there was a, a way to log this having happened as well as a freebie for the first three times you did it and followed the process. Right. Well, so see, out yeah. of the ashes of this yeah. came a new policy, which is a yeah. good thing. Well, and out of that, this is sort of the Brandeis quote, right? That uh, the the best disinfectant is sunlight. Mm-hmm. You know, so like we, in, especially in cyber, mm-hmm. like transparency is the name of the game, right? Yeah. It's not the it's not the crime. It's the cover up, right? And if you take this right. moment, is there's two things. First, if I had not followed my checklist, I wouldn't have seen it wasn't there. And it wouldn't have been 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. It could have been five hours. It could have been swept up in, in the trash. It could have been picked up by someone. Right. In that restaurant with my name and picture and company on it across the street that would have booped anybody into the building. Here's the interesting thing. You know, you've made a lot of analogies to flight and pilot and checklist. Mm -hmm. Is it really that complicated? The reason a checklist exists is to trigger your mind to, to solve a problem systematically to cover as many things as you can. And a checklist in in absence of understanding why that thing exists is meaningless. Here, let me give you an example. Hang on. Um, here, excellent one. Okay. Uh, so I'm a Cessna pilot. This is a Cessna 172N. It's a carb. It's a, a carbureted plane. Okay. You see these red things that are on here? All these red items over here, right? Yeah, yep. that's where Jesus talks. It's definitely where Jesus talks. These are the memory <laughs> items for emergency actions in flight. It's not a question of whether or not you can just follow the checklist. You have to understand why this is happening. When this says something like uh, vents cabin heat and air off, right? The reason you're doing that is to prevent smoke from entering the cabin, right? And the reason that you would open the vents cabin and fire and heat if the fire is out is because you're trying to get oxygen back into the cabin again. If you don't understand why that's happening and you just mechanically do it in a row, you're not actually solving the problem of you being safe and extinguishing a fire in flight, right? What you're doing is just flipping switches. For our listeners, they should know that you were holding up a laminated card ah, that mm-hmm. had a lot of writing on it. Yeah. But again, this writing is critical to your safety. Yes. So therefore, it it's important. To, it's almost like uh, in the scene from the new Top Gun Maverick. Oh, walks in with the with the book uh, talking about the F fourteen, and he yeah. goes, "Well, you you already know everything in this book." So he throws it in the trash can, and the admiral mm-hmm. almost has a heart attack. Um, because you know, oftentimes it's not about what's in the book. It's about how much do you remember is in the book, how you interpret it. And, you know, an in-depth understanding, not just memorizing, but understanding what it is, why and what. Yeah. So the checklist is sort of, it's, it's nuanced, but it is the, the complications we're talking about when, you know, you say, is it really that complicated? The complicated part is life. Yeah. Life is happening. You're somewhere. You drop your badge. You know, a bird flies across your path. Mm-hmm. That's the complication. And that so the the checklist is like, I'm leaving the house. I have a caterwauling cat, mm-hmm. a dog that wants to eat the cat, a child that's hungry, and uh, a, a, an appointment I'm late for. 
do I have everything? A checklist comes in handy. Mm -hmm. It's not just that it comes in handy. It's that we trick ourselves. We we trick ourselves into thinking we've done what we need to do. And a checklist gives us that moment and that excuse to do not only the right thing, but to step back and say, I think I did everything right. I'm just going to go and make sure. And if you have those checklist items for yourself when it comes to things like cyber scams, things like um, if someone said this to me in a grocery store, what I think it's a good idea. Am I uh, am I about to be talked into revealing something that I've been told never to give over the phone, like the two factor code that was just sent to me in a text message? Someone calls me up and says, can you just read that off to me? If you've been told (laughs) that you're not supposed to do that and but somehow you think it's a good idea this time and you look at your checklist and it may just be a two item checklist. Nothing other than don't talk to strange people on the phone. And if I think this was if I think this was a bad idea in person, I probably shouldn't click yes in an email either. That's going to save you from 90 percent of what's wrong in the world, honestly, on the Internet. And if you look at that, you're like, oh, I want to make an exception to that just this one time. Just ask yourself this question. Make the third thing on your checklist to stop doing this thing right now. Get a call back or get a, a, a check from someone else and just don't do it for 15 minutes. Just don't do it for 15 minutes. Get off the call. Revisit it in 15 minutes. If you still think it's a great idea, 15 minutes from now, after having talked to somebody who's a smart person, who's there with you, um, if you've got just some check, stop and ask yourself if someone's trying to make you do this and you've got and and you say, I just want 15 minutes to think about it. And they say, oh, no, I need it right now. That should be a giant Mm -hmm. warning sign. That is a screaming alarm. Exactly. Pause. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing that has to get done that fast, honestly. And, yep. and and again, this is not a metaphorical checklist. This is a yeah. well thought out, adapting, mm-hmm. evolving list. That said, does this help us not be tricked by threat actors? No, uh, no, it doesn't. I mean, like it it helps you. It helps you stop yourself from uh, from most attacks. But nothing ever stops everything. You must accept that sometimes you will lose. Sometimes you will be hacked. I will lose. I have been hacked repeatedly. And the answer is, is that a lot of the stuff I've learned, I had to learn the very hard way. I'm, it's kind of funny. I do, I do a lot of this stuff that it it seems kind of cool, right? Hacking things, flying planes, riding motorcycles, playing poker. I do a lot of this stuff, but the truth is, is that almost everything I'm doing. Such a boring, calm life. But it it is though. That's the point. (laughs) Half of what I'm doing is filling out safety equipment checks, or I'm sitting there like counting and doing odds calculations in my head. There's almost everything I'm doing is, is actually just. Counting cards. I I said counting (laughs) odds. I did not say counting cards. Not that. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Apologies. Yeah. And that's for black I see a future anyway. of you getting kicked out of bo, kicked bo, out bo, of bo, bo, casino, I don't get kicked out of card counting person. That's for blackjack. Card counting in poker is not only expected, it's an advantage because you should know how many cards are in the deck. You should understand how many outs you have coming up. You should be able to make guesses about what someone else has and then do your I can't house. count, Tara. I should not do any of these I things. Make, I make lots of guesses when I play <laughs> poker, which is how much am I going to lose? How fast? That's basically that, my big guess. But that's that's it right there, right? Like you, you understand, I think, intellectually. People understand intellectually that they're going to win some and lose some in poker. And that the idea is that over time you make a series of small decisions that incrementally over time not only improve but lead to a slight winning edge and people who who people who like that who like the stringent mental discipline of making small correct decisions even when they don't pay off in that moment and can then step to the next decision and still make a good one when they're angry or frustrated over the outcome of the previous one that's what makes a poker player that's what makes somebody who makes small good decisions over time 
right? It's not supposed to be exciting, right? A lot of this stuff is not supposed to be exciting. It's supposed to be, it's been romanticized, but the truth is you cannot solve for everything. You're going to lose in poker. You're going to fall over on your motorcycle. Something's going to go wrong in a plane. You're going to get hacked. And the question is just, have you mitigated as much as you can? Have you made the checks on yourself that make you as safe as you can? And then, my God, go live your life. Go buy some clothes on the internet. It, you know, just check for as much of the safety stuff as we've taught you about as possible, right? Go live. You can't solve everything. But when you do buy that stuff online that you yeah. were looking at, um, you know, don't just look at the transaction alert for that purchase. Yeah. Look at the ones that come right after it when uh -huh. the person at the counter stole your credit card number because it counts as a hack. It does, I mean, yeah. We're we're constantly under siege, and and you're right, mm -hmm. like. Because of that, you, there's two things you can yeah. do. You can be a, a nervous wreck yeah. or you can just accept it as natural as leaves falling from the trees. And, and all. It is. You know? Well, I think also that, you know, and I think Tara can say this too, because we both have been involved in advising companies. My former company, that's a lot of what they did. And it's all about the fact that, look, at the end of the day, you can do everything right. But if somebody's on the wrong list at the wrong moment, the wrong person gains access, or somebody clicks the wrong link, something's going to happen. So it's not an issue of if it's going to happen. It's what have you done so that you can respond uh, empathetically, urgently, yeah. transparently. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's your defining moment is, mm -hmm. yes, there is step one, which is how well do you protect the data? How well mm -hmm. do you protect things that are that you have in, in certain ways a real a responsibility to protect. But mm -hmm. the second thing, the defining moment is when the wrong thing happens, how do you respond? Yes. And that's what changes something from a bad and unpleasant experience to a near extinction level event. Yes. Yeah, damage control, right? right? Yes. And that's why checklists are just like when we say to people, update, upgrade and backup. And backup mm -hmm. means, yes, you could become a victim, your company of a ransomware attack. But the question is, how robust are your systems and how fast can you get back up and run again? This spring, get out there, enjoy the weather, and recapture the magic of riding a bike with electric e-bike. With an amazing variety of models built for riders of all abilities, it's never been easier to fall in love with riding again. Plus, every electric e-bike ships free and only requires quick, toolless assembly. This is my first ever e-bike, and the experience has just been great. I was a little bit intimidated at first because I hadn't gone biking in a while, but the 500-watt motor that the electric e-bike comes with really gives you a nice little boost, especially if you're trying to go uphill or pick up some speed. Data shows that e-bike riders take their bike out more often. That means... You get more exercise, more exploration, and wait for it, fresh air. And riding an e-bike isn't, like, it's not cheating. It's just making it possible for you to be out there longer on each ride. And speaking of things going a little slower, you can finance electric e-bike for as little as $49 a month. Get into spring with electric e-bikes, the number one selling e-bikes in the nation. Get your adventure started at electricebikes.com. And please mention that What the Hack with Adam Levin sent you in the post-checkout survey. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-Bikes.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling 
wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. People who think that that what's happening on the internet, the idea of crime and fraud happening on the internet isn't real, are the same kind of people who would be appalled at the idea of committing mail fraud or calling someone up and trying to trick them out of their life savings or running, you know, a psychic scam or something along those lines. Fraud is fraud. It doesn't matter if it's happening over via a mailbox, via a telegram, via, you know, a phone or an in-person conversation at a bar or via email, right? These are old human crimes just given a new pathway to your door. That's it. And so convincing people that if you had the sense to understand fraud when you were 20, ma, dad, you know, if you had the sense to understand what fraud looks like then, just apply those same rules to what you're seeing here. You don't get to skip out on the responsibility you have to protect yourself because you think the Internet's not real, right? I'm dealing with some of my own issues right now. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> well, but just, just remember, yeah. know, every, every parent tells their kid, don't talk to strangers. Don't talk to strangers. And yet... With the internet, all of a sudden it's stranger. That's not a stranger. That person shares my interests. They're they're not strange, unless I'm strange. And you know, people just have a tendency. You to are say, well, I am people strange. are strange, I mean, I'm, <laughs> yeah. and you're a stranger. Strange. I um, you know, the other thing is like those strangers, the ones that are hackers, mm-hmm. they're grooming you. Mm. They can take their time. Not much. I, I, I know it's a hit word. and run for the I wouldn't most use part. the word because it's so loaded at this point. I, I don't don't use the word. So how would you put it? I'm fi- I'm fine with that. I won't use it again. It's a con. It's literally a con. Yeah. I mean, it's no, but it's a con. Yeah. But what do you what do you about the setup where they're like, oh, Tara, I also like to wear that color red lipstick, and I also like to wear pearls. What um a coincidence? And we should be see best Bo friends. In red lipstick. He looks great. I look, he really don't does. Look, I don't know. Excuse me. Look <laughs> at this, guys. Everyone take a look. I have no lips. Don't have any lips. <laughs> so None. There's a, there's, a, there's a couple of great resources out there. We don't have to call it grooming. We already have the words for fraud and for con artistry, right? What is it? Um, putting yeah. up the mark, playing the con, roping the mark, uh, tell the tale, okay. convincer, breakdown, um, put them on the send. I think it's um, something, something... Um, and a blow off at the end, right? We already have these words and patterns for what exists in a con. Same thing happens. The exact same thing happens. Can you take us through that again, Tara? Take us through it one more time. So we've got foundation work, approach, build up, yeah. payoff or convincer, the hurrah, the in and in, and then you'd include the blow off at the end, right? So this is way better than grooming, way better. It's it's the it's the, the breakdown of how you trick somebody. Right. And if, it's remember, if you're good, that's the, it's checklist, the checklist, right? There's a checklist <laughs> for crime. Right. And, and so when you do this, you're following a process all the way through and you're ensuring that you've followed each of the stages because you're taking someone through an emotional journey. Right. You take someone through an emotional journey, you bring them along with you and you trade resources, which to them, you're 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 tricking them into thinking the resource you're giving them is as valued as the one they're giving you. And by the end of that journey, they've experienced an an emotional journey with a payoff at the end that is negative for them and a financial one that's positive for you. 
This is a checklist for how you do this. And a, a skilled con artist doesn't need to sit here with a checklist every single time. And did I do all of these things? Right. They know these things, but they may stop and sit back and ask themselves, are they, are they succeeding? Did they skip any steps? Do they need to think about anything, build anything up a little bit more? Right. And the higher value the target, the more worthwhile it is to follow your process and get it right. And an artist will understand how much time to spend on each, what it means when you move to the next stage, what the greatest amount of benefit at each one of those stages are. That's an artist. That's someone skilled at something. And that's why I say you have to remember that somebody who is a hacker is not necessarily a computer criminal. It's a set of skills. You can use them for good or ill. I am a hacker, right? And and a, and an, a huge part of being a hacker is being a curious person who looks at things differently. That doesn't necessarily mean I have ethics. I like to think I do. Well, I like to think I've grown into some ethics over time. <laughs> I didn't have them when I was a kid. How do you think I learned a lot of this stuff? But by the time I got here, I started realizing that this is about a set of skills that you can use. And I don't know what they tell you, but the greatest shepherd is not a sheepdog. It is a reformed wolf. Hey, this is great. So one other question, and that is for those who want to find you mm -hmm. or find out more about you or find out where to find your next poker game, where do they go? <laughs> well, you can find my company at rqdn.io. You can find me on Twitter at Tara, and uh, we got our, our Twitter handle up on up there as well, uh, where you can find me at the next poker game. Um, you know, looking about a month or so, I'll probably be at the Bellagio or the Aria. And then, uh, and then, you know, next May, June, uh, come find me at the World Series of Poker. I'll, I'll be playing there with dad again. So uh, he and I go every year. He's a poker pro. So, uh, but mm -hmm. no, I, I look forward to hearing from folks. Please reach out at any time. Um, and it's it's a great chance to be here. And wow, guys, it's, it's been an, an amazing experience. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, Thank you so you. much for joining us. This was awesome. <laughs> So much, 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 mudgety mudge. If you look at him from years past, he really looked the part. Now he looks just like a suit, but he definitely sounds the part still. Um, what the hell was Twitter thinking? <laughs> Hiring somebody who is like, <laughs> this is like Rocky one when Apollo Creed is fighting Rocky and his manager goes, he thinks this is a fight. <laughs> He's going to try and beat you up. Um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they invited a guy into the house who who was not going to look the other way. It was, And now they're living with this, the results. Well, what happens that. is that you, you, know, you think you're getting a show horse and you don't realize you're, you're getting something far more than that. Uh, yeah, I think that's the thing I just find to be so baffling about it is why would you hire someone with his um, level of expertise if you're not going to be hanging on his every word? No, they did it. They come on. It's because it's window dressing. They did it so they could yeah. brag about doing it. Yeah, and unfortunately, be careful what you wish for. <laughs> Especially when you get somebody who believes in doing the right thing. Well, yeah, he just he was like, "Oh, I have an idea. I'm going to do my job." And that was not like what they were looking for, I guess. Uh, see, do your job. That's an yeah. It's an interesting concept. Yeah. Uh, but now, now they've got a problem big problem do we have a tinfoil swan this week yep what is the tinfoil swan the the tinfoil swan is our paranoid takeaway that'll help keep you safe online so this week it is 
come to my attention, and I brought it up earlier, that people do not know how to set their SIM card pins. Now, Apple just announced that their latest phones, <laughs> which Steve Jobs' daughter announced with a picture of a middle-aged guy wearing a shirt being gifted the same shirt, <laughs> and she said, like, there's no difference. There is a difference, and there's a major difference, and that difference is the SIM cards will no longer be physical cards, and that's great because they can't be swapped out. But most of us don't have that phone. Most of us are still dealing with the dangers of SIM swapping. You can protect your phone from SIM jacking attacks by assigning a PIN number to it. And so that means every time you restart your device or remove the SIM card, your SIM card will automatically be locked. So it's just an extra little method of protecting your phone and your cellular data. Okay, and Adam, why should we be worried about SIM swapping attacks? What's the big deal? Someone can steal your phone number. That's okay. really it. That means they get your texts, they get your phone calls. And in particular, get you two-factor authentication. They get the keys to the castle. They get the keys to the kingdom. They get the keys to any particular part of your life. Because, you know, most people think of social security number as the skeleton key. The truth is, your cell phone number has become the skeleton key because everybody has it. All right, so real quick, here's what you do. If you're using an iPhone and you want to protect your SIM card... You just go to settings, go to cellular, then you will see under cellular your SIM card pin. Click on it. If you haven't set it up, it's going to ask you for the default uh, SIM card pin, which you can find online. If it's Verizon, that default pin code is 1111. I know that because I just set mine up on my new phone. Now, once you do that, it'll ask you to set up a new pin code. Set that up. It'll ask you to confirm it. Confirm it. Don't forget it, because you're going to need it every time you open your phone. And that's how you do it on an iPhone. Travis, how do you do it on an Android phone? There are a bunch of different types of Android devices, but for the most part, what it is, is you just go to the settings on your phone and then tap on security. And once you're there, you go down to advanced and you'll see something that says SIM card lock. And from there, it's pretty much the same process as it is with an iPhone. You enter in the default pin code, then you set your own, and then try not to forget it. If you're trying to guess it, um, just keep in mind, though, that if you enter it incorrectly three separate times, it will lock your phone down. So you need to be careful when you're setting yeah, it. Yeah, and if you do that, you're going to have to go to the actual store and have them reset it. So right. just try to avoid that one. <laughs> and there's this week's Tinfoil Swan. If you like the show, uh, we hope you rate and review. It does help people find it. And um, we're always looking for new listeners. If you have a story you want to tell on the show, we'd love to hear it. And you can get to us through adamlevin.com. That's A-D-A-M-L-E-V-I-N.com. And there's a banner. It says, have a story, tell a story, something like that. Click, tell, come, talk. It'll be great. Thanks so much. 